1: welcome to the screen the screener college basketball podcast with your hosts mike randall and gus kearns uh welcome and thank you As always, for tuning into the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast, where we're always talking everything college hoops. Thanks to Block Talk Radio for powering us up. Thanks to Bell Jar for bringing us in and out. And thanks to you, the listeners out there, for tuning in, carving out some time. You could have been anywhere else in the dial. You chose to be here with us, Mike, and Gus. We appreciate that. And Mike, as we like to say, it's been a long time. Let's do this college basketball thing. How are you? Oh, buddy, I'm back, man.
0: I'm so excited had time. I'm so excited. I'm back. I am totally back. Folks, I will not be away again for the summer. We did two separate weeks down the shore. I was with the family this week. Gus, I did a million things. A lot of, a lot of sun, a lot of sun block, as you know. That seems to be an issue with me and pale. Right, uh, right. We, we learned, we did, did you ever hear this HQ trivia app that's on the phone? HQ trivia?
1: No, no, educate me. Please.
0: So basically it's, it's free. You sign up and then at 3 p.m. and 9 p.m., there are these questions that pop up. It's a multiple choice question. It's a live quiz show. So your app, you click on your app and there's a person talking there. Anyone can play. And then whoever's left at the end of the eight questions splits the prize money through PayPal, $5,000, $1,000. Now, Gus, please. Okay. There's like a thousand people left at the end. So you're not, ma- you're making a dollar. Okay. Or maybe. Eighty cents, right? Like the people that are left at the end of the eight. If you get it, one, wrong, it's the
1: excitement of of the, excitement. of the challenge. Yes. yes. Yeah.
0: So there's a sports one, okay? And I'm going somewhere with this, and please give me a minute, folks. I'm back. I'm ready to talk. Okay. So hang on. <laughs> okay.
1: Yes, so go, the sports
0: go. one is in, and I'm debating with my two cousins, Brian and Jerry, who I'm down there with, and they're like, "You, if we get a basketball one, you're running the table. If we get a basketball one, you're running the table."
1: Okay. Um, By the way, love Cousin Brian, Cousin Jerry.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, So they're, they're ready to go. They're like, you know, Mike can't get baseball. You wouldn't know it. They go, but if you get, you know, basketball, we're going to you. Fine. They're playing at their shore house. I'm nine blocks down the road playing. I'm You can see that your friends are on. Okay? Okay. Here's yeah. the question. Which player led the NBA with the highest percentage of rebounds in a season ever? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar... Dennis Rodman, or Wilt Chamberlain? Now, before you answer, I want you to know you have 10 seconds. So you cannot Google this, okay, because you have 10 seconds or it locks you out.
1: I I like the option where you can't Google it. You cannot Google it.
0: A highest percentage of rebounds in a single season by a player, Kareem, Dennis Rodman, Wilt. I would pick, I would pick, uh, Wilt. You just made me feel good. I picked Wilt Chamberlain because as we know, Gus, he had like multiple seasons over 20 rebounds. Evidently, the answer was Dennis Rodman. And the rationale given was they'd missed more shots then in the olden days. So even though Wilt averaged 29 rebounds a game, I looked it up. There were so many missed shots that he didn't have the highest percentage of rebounds of the season. So that's what I did down the shore, got the basketball. I was ridiculed by Brian. You have a podcast. How did you not get this right? Okay, (laughs) But I guess if you look up the most rebounds in a year, I mean, it's dominated by Will Chamberlain. Robin is in the top 35 in rebounds per game. But highest percentage of the rebounds, of all rebounds in that season, the answer is Dennis Rodman. HQ, Gus, try it. A lot of
1: fun. Tell us what you think. What would have you answered in that particular scenario? What if you went, um, you know, possibly the GOAT? Uh, Kareem, would have you would you gone the uh, rebounding king and, and Dennis Rodman, the, the the recent rebounding king, or would you go one of the greatest players of all time? We scored hundred points in a game. Would you go Wilt?
0: But you know, Gus, as you go on the questions get harder. You know, it's not the answer. Yeah. It's just like yeah. question three. So I'm like, oh it's gotta be Wilt. They wouldn't put Rodman in question three. Sure they
1: would. See you later. I got the big X. Listeners, let us know what you would answer out there. Uh, hit us up at Twitter at SCS Podcast. Uh, on Twitter, of course, and if you'd like to Gmail us what you think, uh, please do sespodcast at gmail dot com. We'd love to interact with you that way as well. If you want to like ridicule Mike or myself for <laughs> answering, uh, you know, <laughs> Will Chamberlain in a rebounding question, uh, please hit right. up Mike at Randall Rant, of course. So go, go on, I'm sorry. R- really <laughs>
0: quick, folks, we're going to get to a lot of college basketball. I'm sorry, we got one more thing, but we're back on vacation here. I'm with my best friend. I got to talk a little bit. Here we go. Gus, one more. You're a big, uh, triathlon guy. You're a big Tour de France guy. I know you were watching it. This was a question also. Which country, which country has the second most career Tour de France winners? Which country? I'll give you the options. Wow. Which country has the second most winners? USA, Belgium, France. Ten seconds. Belgium. Very good. I knew you'd get it right. I, yes. I, okay. I okay. Very good. Of course, they, I answered USA because I'm an idiot and that's the idiot answer, right? But of course, Gus, it's not USA because a lot of them have been disqualified, right? So it's Belgium. And I'm sitting there as the clock's count down. I'm going, who's answering Belgium? That's why you should answer Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> right? Good, so well done, my friend. Very good. Excellent, excellent job. Over Belgium. Over, excellent.
1: Over. And uh, as much as the you know the the host country, uh, it's the most iconic bike race uh, every year. Very rarely do we have uh, a a French rider up for the GC, and very rarely do we have a French rider up for a stage win. And when there is, it's a big hubbub. And especially on Bastille Day, you love to see a French rider get up for that day and and put out a big effort that day. Yeah, France, I think, is like the the dummy answer there,
0: isn't it? It is. It definitely is. Folks, sign up for HQ Trivia. It's a lot of fun. If you sign up, shameless plug, and you type in that you were referred by LBI Randall, okay, that's R-A-N-D-L-E, I get an extra life. I get an extra life. So feel free. HQ Trivia. Uh, Yes. If you type – when you sign up your name, it says below, did you have a referral? If you type in L-B-I-R-A-N-D-L-E, I I get an extra life. And Gus, the way I'm playing, I certainly need them. (laughs) All right. Let's get
1: to some college basketball. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Here we go. Here we go. So Gus, I did do some college basketball work down the shore. Very excited. I'm I'm refreshed and replenished here. So what I thought I'd do is I grabbed who seems to be the top 10 teams – by most of the rankings and what I'm going to throw at you is I'm going to go right down from one to ten and again there may be some okay. teams that you would have put in the top ten that aren't here but just we'll start with these and certainly we'll, we'll come back to this in future weeks. I'm going to give you what I think is the key question okay for the season sort of the unknown the guiding question this is the defining is question as to how this team is going to do it. and I would like to hear your answer to the question to okay. be perfectly honest okay so top ten a oh, way too early of course but the recruits are there we're set to go. College basketball teams, here we go. First team I'll start with Gus is Kentucky. Now you can put Kentucky, you can Ooh. put Nevada, you can put Gonzaga, you could put Duke, you could put Kansas, right? I get that. But I'm just gonna start right. with Kentucky because most of the polls okay. have Kentucky up top. Okay. They got two of their top five scores back. That's PJ Washington. Remember him, Gus? I was very excited about him declaring for the draft because I thought maybe he would maybe be drafted 50th overall. Can you just leave him alone? I'm sorry. I I, I apologize. There's a place for there's a place for a guy with six points and six rebounds. It really is,
1: and and that place is that place is in the Wildcat lineup this year.
0: Well done. And Quade Green are back. Okay, and they got the they they went to the Sweet 16 last year. We know that. So they got graduate transfer Reed Travis from Stanford. He's come over. He doesn't mm. have to sit. He's a graduate transfer. You talked about this in one of your pods. And they have the nation's number two recruiting class, which certainly got better in June because they got the five-star point guard. And you know my thoughts on five stars, okay? But he has a five-star point guard, Ashton Hagens, who has reclassified. Higgins was a big get. Right. And he's set to enroll. So it looks, Gus, with Reed Travis coming over as a dominant big man inside – that they are more balanced and they're ready to go. So my question to you is, is Reed Travis going to be the cheat code for a second John Calipari championship?
1: Wow, cheat code, uh, great terminology. Thank you. And how about this? I think it's the cheat code for him to get back to the final four. Okay, good. Now, whether it's the cheat code for another national championship, I think that's up for debate depending on the matchups. But I think having a veteran like Reed Travis, who's ha- already had, like you like to say, sustained success at the college basketball level, yep. at, in, a big, uh, in a big conference against big time competition, I think that that provides exactly what Calipari has been missing mm-hmm. since that cat team. Since they went undefeated thirty eight and yep. zero into that Wisconsin game, yep, uh, he's had he had top level talent there. But I think Reed Travis is the part that he's been missing. And if you go back and look at those great Kentucky teams, they've always had a veteran presence on that team as one of the leading scores or at least one of the voices in the locker room. Now that's the key voice in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Is Reed Travis's voice in the locker room, on the bench, on the practice floor going to be? How much weight is it going to carry? Is it going to be similar to other freshmen that have come into Kentucky and hold the same amount of weight? Or is it going to carry more gravity because he's been through the wars on the other coast at Stanford? And he's known how to win. And he's been through the battles. I'm going to go with the latter. I think that his voice and his presence is going to have a greater effect on this team than we might even think, like, just on the surface. Now, we can throw in, you know, Montgomery, who's going to be a big inside. You talked about Higgins, who's going to be the point guard. Uh, they got the wing Johnson. Um, they have uh, Quigley, who's going to be a, you know, a guard who can shoot a little bit from outside. Uh, you talked about Washington coming back and Quade Green helping run the show. So they do have this unbelievable, nice rotation in place already. And let's say somebody like a wild card, right? Let's say somebody like uh, Tyler Harrow just comes in and can make some threes. Then you're looking at a nine-man rotation that can get to the Final Four. And if you remember, the number one pick in this last year's NBA draft, DeAndre Ayton, when he was asked during the season, like, hey, who's been one of the toughest matchups that you had? You know what his answer was? It was Reed Travis. He said, Reed Travis is one of the strongest guys I've played against all season. So Reed Travis is not going to get pushed around in the SEC. He's not going to get pushed around East Coast. And guess what? He's going to value this opportunity because he has not visited the NCAA tournament during his time at Stanford. And he is going to really value this opportunity as a wildcat to find team success, not individual success.
0: I think that this year, what was missing from Kentucky was exactly that, was the pecking order, Mm -hmm. was the leadership. Now, in 2014, 2015, they had an incredible year. Aaron Harrison was still there, the Harrison brothers, so they were looked at as sort of the leaders. Now, they had a tremendous amount of success the year before as well, I think they got to the finals and lost, right? I think they lost in the finals to UConn, something like that?
1: Yep, right? yep, yeah, they lost All that right. UConn team.
0: So Devin Booker was there, but he only played 21 minutes. So what you had, if you look at their roster, they had the Harrison brothers who were 11-9 and nine a game. Carl Towns was 10 points a game, but everybody was playing 20 minutes, right? Willie Cauley-Stein was there. But you kind of knew the Harrison brothers were the ones who had to take the most shots in the regular season. But then as you got to the postseason, things evolved in that run that they had after they won- they they played the conference tournament against arkansas they won he had 21 against hampton in the first round carl anthony towns he had 8 against cincinnati they absolutely blew west virginia's doors off You remember that they they destroyed west virginia from the start yep. he had only had one point cuz they were up by so much notre dame big game 25 points for carl anthony towns wisconsin in the game they lost in the final four 16 and 9 so reed travis could really get them off to a great start because you won't have what happened this past year with the, well, Knox had a couple of good games, and then Diallo was supposed to be the best player coming back because he almost got drafted, but he wasn't Great good. Point. And then when you good get, point. so right off the bat, it's going to be retracted. Right. I expect, Reece, if you had a, if you could bet over-unders, and betting is now legal, Gus, if you could bet over-unders <laughs> on how many points Reece Travis is scoring earlier in the year, it's going to be a lot. But it allows the over. players to develop, and then they get into their role, and, Listen, this is a nice move here by Cal because he's got a pecking order, and it's not going to be well. Knox is better than Gildas Alexander, who thinks Washington's better than him. But then there's Diallo and Quade Green, and Jared Vanderbilt gets a rebound a game, right, like <laughs> or a minute, sorry.
1: We waited all season for Knox and Gildas Alexander to pop, and during that waiting period, it's there were some ugly warts. Reed, Tra- uh, Reed Travis is going to, like, eliminate those ugly warts early on and make it seem a smoother transition from front to back for the season for the Wildcats. And I think you're right. I think when we get to the end of the season, I think some of those freshmen, like you mentioned, like Higgins, uh maybe throw Johnson into that equation as well. Yep. When those guys start to pop, and then you still have Green and Washington as, you know, quote-unquote vets Bingo, that have been through the yep. wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes perfect sense.
0: Second team we'll go to is the Jayhawks. Uh, I've talked about this on, on the, the private pod as well. Yeah, H- well H- done. Okay, well done. Same with you, yeah. Uh, quite possibly the best all-around roster top to bottom that Self's ever had. And we buried mm-hmm. Self. I'll be the first one to admit it. I buried him. I buried him last right. year. And like the like the thriller zombies, he came <laughs> yeah, back you, and yeah, you were, you, were, you were
1: calling for yeah. it to, ha- to it, happen, well, right?
0: Well done. And don't sleep on Kansas State this year. Oh, we'll get warmed up for that. But the issue is he's got the Lawson brothers who are eligible. Diedrich Lawson, he's already hyping as a possible Big 12 player of the year. He's uh, So the Lawson brothers are there. He's got Quentin Grimes. He's got Devin, Don- Devin Dotson. LeGerald Vic-, Vic is actually back. He's got Azabuki back. But here's the issue, Gus. How will Self do with this plethora of talent? And more importantly, my question to you is he does not have a senior guard who was the Big 12 player of the year, Frank Mason and then Devontae Graham. That is a big loss. We talked about guard play. We'll talk about guard play when we get to Gonzaga. Will they boom or will this be a struggle like Duke where they have a plethora of talent, man, but whether it's Dotson or should it be Charlie Moore who transferred over, but you know Dotson's the highly ranked guard. Is Are they going to hit some bumps, even though last year when we all buried them and we thought that Kansas had no chance to win the Big 12 after Trey Young and and then 50 points, but they had the point guard. And even though I sold Devontae Graham short, he was fantastic in the conference. I have no issue Uh, with that, but they don't have it this year. So what's going to happen with Kansas? Talk to me.
1: Great question, because I think if as much as you mentioned Kentucky, being number one, number two, or number three in other people's polls. And, you know, in our poll, both of these teams will be within the top five without question. I I think that this team might have the biggest amount of talent, but then also the biggest question mark next to that talent simply because it's unknown. It's not a known quantity. We don't know what the sum of the parts is yet. Yep. The parts all look awesome. Right, you just mentioned all the parts. Uh, you know, Lawson brothers. You got you got uh, uh, Charlie Moore coming over from Cal. You got the dynamic freshman backcourt of, of Dots and Grimes, and then you, you sneak in like Vic back in through the back door, and you got Azabuki as like your traditional seal of camp big that gets awesome paint touches that really helps your offense run. But the question is, how is Self going to integrate all of these parts that have never played a minute together on the floor? Never. He's had the crutch, much like UNC, which I think we'll get to later, of having a Joel Berry or, and you mentioned them, Devontae Graham, Frank Mason type of coach on the floor where he could just say, hey, I'm going to trust you to make a good decision. Let's go run our stuff. Is he really going to say that to Charlie Moore? Right. Is he going to say that to the backcourt of Dotson and and Grimes? Is
0: Dotson going to pout if Charlie Moore starts? Right. I don't know. Right, right. Right.
1: So here's here's my here's my out of the box solution. I think that maybe he might put the ball in Diedrich Lawson's hands because much like we mentioned with Reed Travis, he's been through some of the wars at Memphis and has big time experience, averaging over twenty points a game, being you know the front runner for uh, you know being a first team All Conference type player. Yep. Maybe he puts the ball in his hands as like a point forward and lets him make some decisions early on in the season, and then allows the newcomer, which is Moore, and the freshman, Dotson and Grimes, to grow a little bit. And then maybe that's the way he does it, since he doesn't have the Frank Mason or the Devontae Graham to lean on. Maybe he leans on his transfer, who's been on the floor this whole past season, been on all the trips with him, got suspended on that one trip, but then also has run uh, scout teams, and has played against these guys the whole entire time, and knows the system. So maybe he's gonna maybe he's gonna run a little point forward, tweak it a little more. You know, we've talked about like how Self tweaks his defenses yeah. Yeah, during sure, sure. you know the, the NCAA tournament, and throws the box and two. I'm sorry, the box and one and triangle and two, yeah. and those mm-hmm. all the junk defenses. Mm-hmm. Maybe he does that this time. So that's my out of the box solution for kansas possible
0: success well said that's it listen they're going to be good folks i'm going to tell you right now kansas is going to be very very good i'm not doubting you wait
1: them. so so you're on the bandwagon
0: um they're going to be good now listen i guess okay. by the time we get to november could i possibly predict them to to lose the big 12 it's possible it's not likely though it's not likely <laughs> right, right. i like kansas state they got a lot of t- people back um i, I, I love, get love that kansas state but i yeah. could they hit some bumps but yeah here's the question kansas hitting bumps is what five losses in conference right like it's still 13 to five you know, it's not like them and hitting buttons and that, that, that can win you the conference. And that right. can win the conference. Exactly right. <laughs> that's my. But that's my point. So even if Especially they don't have that conference, right? And even if they don't have a point guard. Javon Carter's gone. I don't see the team that can do it. The answer would be Kansas State. But I, I agree. I, I'm not sure Kansas State is going. I'm not going with two losses for Kansas State. So moving on, Duke. Lost Bagley, lost Carter, lost Allen, lost Gary Trent, lost Trayvon Duvall. What that means, Gus, is they lost their starting five, okay, the entire starting lineup. But he got number one, number two, and number three. That's correct. He got the top three prospects that were ranked nationally by every ranking service. R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and Zion Williamson, who, if you don't know who he is, just – Put him on Twitter. There's just dunks galore from the foul line, all this other stuff. Certainly very impressive.
1: There, there's stuff going between legs. Yeah. That's yes. great. Yeah. That's, there's a lot of stuff. Yes. Multiple, uh, multiple colored sneakers. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, I have to tell you, knowing me as you do, I, I I'm warming to Zion, to Zion Williamson. I know you, I know you're warm. Yeah. So listen, is this going to be the same old, same old for Duke? Or is this going to be the year? Is Krzyzewski going to put it together? The thing Shashevsky has not done is he has not taken since he's gone to this. I'm recruiting all freshmen and all the ones and duns until he's, you know, sort of dipped his foot into the Calipari waters. He has not right. gotten to a, a well final said. four or a national title. So, Gus, okay. could this be the year for them to make the final four national title? Is he going to just cement his legacy as the greatest coach ever with a title with pretty much all freshmen?
1: You want the answer? Yes. Listeners, you want the answer? Nope.
0: Okay. I'm kind of with you, man.
1: <laughs> I'm, kinda, I'm with you, too. Go ahead. go ahead, Do it. going to happen. Good. Here's why it's not going to happen. There's multiple reasons. Number one, he, uh, like you mentioned, Coach Krzyzewski is an unbelievable coach. He has multiple national titles. He has multiple gold medals. He is one of the top coaches in sport. Period. End of sentence. Not in basketball, just in sport. However... He has not shown the propensity yep. to find success. You with this type of group of athletes. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Here's the other limiter for this particular team. Who's going to shoot it? You got you got a shooter that can stretch the defense for these guys. Mm-hmm. You got somebody that can get a shot uh, out in the you know out in the corner when the defense breaks down and you're looking for that you know uh, three seconds to go on the shot clock and you need to kick it out to somebody. You're going to kick it out to anybody that's going to make a shot. I mean, they got kind of spoiled with Grayson Allen. They got kind of spoiled that you know Bagley could shoot a little bit, Carter uh, could shoot a little bit. Yep. I mean, and if you go back to his best teams, there's no Matt Jones on this team. There's no John Shire on this team. Mm-hmm. There's no uh, Emil Jefferson on this team. Somebody that he can just bank on that's going to provide effort, hustle, and get after it for lack of a better term, yep. there is not one of those people on this team. That's correct. So I think the things that this team is missing and the te- the things that this team has is not the recipe that Coach Sheshewski has shown that he can coach well and find success with. So to answer your question a little long-winded but then also succinctly, the answer is nope. I, I'm
0: concerned about it. I want to see it. Listen, they were a. The Duke defenders are going to say we were a Rolls Grayson Allen layup away from making the Final Four. True. You you True. were you you were. But I mean, you True. also had a pretty decent trip there through through the bracket. But I'm with yeah, you uh-huh. right now. Right now, I'm leaning no. But that's just my thought. But certainly, it's going to be exciting. The next one I'm certainly most excited to talk about. And probably you are too. Nevada. Ah, they get Jordan Brown, right. five-star, five-star player going. Nevada just doesn't happen, but I'm glad it does. They got Caleb and Cody Martin back. They got Caroline back. They are loaded. They got five of their top six scores back. From, they won 29 games last year and made the Sweet 16. We got Eric Musselman. There's Mojo going on. They had the big comeback against Cincinnati. Just incredible job. I love Nevada. They're going to be my preseason one, I'm going to tell you right now. However, Gus, is is it going to hurt them? that they're playing in the Mountain West, is it going to hurt them that they don't play the highest level of competition? They'll have some great, you know, out-of-conference games, but can right. they really do it? Or was this just a magic carpet ride this year that's tough to repeat? Number one, can
1: they do it? Depends on what you want them to do. Do you want them to get final, a number one seed in the four. tournament? Final four. Number one, you talked about their schedule. Who cares if they have a number one seed? Do you think they have the talent to get to the final four? I certainly do. Yeah, so do I. So I think, like... Schedule unimportant. If they get a one seed, a two seed, a three seed, a four seed or a five seed, it doesn't matter. Yes. Is it a limiter and maybe something that can hurt them in the seeding process come March by being in the conference that they're in? Sure. Did they schedule up and try to give themselves opportunity in the non-conference schedule by following up with uh, TCU and so on and so on? Yeah, that of course. Is it the end of the world That maybe they don't get a number one seed in March and people are going to be begging and screaming for them like, oh, you know, you left out the little guy again. No, it doesn't matter because they have enough talent and they have a coach that can get all of that done. Now, let's go to your magic Carper ride question, right? Was it a magic Carper ride? I'm going to say no. And here's why it wasn't. The answer is just a plain out flat no. When we talked to Chris Murray a couple of times on the podcast for your listeners, he prefaces The answer to like how did they do this with this is just what they do and this is the type of environment that they live in. We can hit the rewind button two years now and we can go back to one of the most unbelievable comebacks that's happened in college basketball within the 10 years, even 25 years. And guess who was involved in it? It was Nevada and they were in the pit. And they were down 20 with, you know, under eight minutes to go. And they came all the way back, won the thing in overtime. That's how this team operates. This team does the impossible regularly. This team operates uncomfortably, as comfortable as anybody can. That's what they do. And I don't think this team is going to be out of character at all because they have a similar cast of characters. You talked about how they bring back Cody and Caleb. They bring back Jordan Caroline. Uh, they bring back a couple of guys off the bench. Uh, they also have a couple of red shirts that are going to play. Uh, we talked about Nisri, uh Zazu, who's a really shifty guard they're going to have. They're going to have Trey Porter. Uh, they're going to have a, a Jordan Caroline cl- clone and, and Treshawn Thurman, uh, Thurman. So they have guys that have been on the bench, been on the practice team, that have taken this ride last year. So there's no reason to think they're going to do anything but something kind of unbelievable and knock our socks off at some point during the season. Let's just hope the time that they do that is in March again. So that's what I'm going to say about Nevada.
0: I think mean, Nevada is my number one. I love them. I'm all in. They, have st- they can get buckets at the end of the game when they need to. The Martin brothers are an impo- sure, impossible sure guard. They got Caroline inside as a bull. Love the team. Love the mojo. Completely into them. But I'm curious because we like Duke, we like Kansas, we like Kentucky. Well, we don't like Duke, but we like Kentucky, we like Kansas, we like Nevada. Gonzaga. Now, Gonzaga's finished in the top 25 in Ken Palm each of the last seven years. They are incredible team. They are a national powerhouse. They are a legit top five team, top 10 team every single year. They have proven because they were within a couple buckets of winning the national title two years ago that it does not Mm -hmm. matter what conference they're in. So that is Alfred Gonzaga because they've had sustained success. I mean we can go all the way back to Steve Nash,
1: right? So I think we can take them out of – I think we can start removing them from like the mid-major conversation. Oh, yeah. They're gone. And just just start – talking about them as a perennial top 15 top 100 yeah no
0: they're a top 10 team every year okay that's it okay. closed. period all right however they did lose jonathan williams they got tilly back they got rui hashimura who i think is gonna be first team all-american we do our predictions of america i'm telling you right now hashimura is gonna be a first team i'm just gonna love, tell you right love now. that prediction. Okay, not yes. in your question but the question is the guard play they lost tilly in that game against florida state but i have to be fair here they probably shouldn't have mm-hmm. been able to get past it to be honest with the type of oh. season they had in their personnel Do they have? Do they have enough at the guard position? They're going to be great. They're going to be a top seed. They're going to be tremendous. They have a Hall of Fame coach. Period. But at this point, if you're fly fishing with Mark Few, okay, he wants a Final Four.
1: If if, if only, by the way,
0: you can't. You know what? We can't sit here, Gus, and tell tell the the listeners that Gonzaga is now a top ten team every year and say, "Well, if they make the Sweet Sixteen, it's a good year." That's not true anymore. Because they've set the bar so high that they are now in the North Carolina do in there in that kind of discussion because they're great every year. So, yeah. Few wants a Final Four. We want it for him, certainly. You and I both do. Can they get back there or are we all underestimating just how good Nigel Williams Goss was?
1: Oh, that's a great last part of the question. Because he, oh, okay. Goss, was the focal point that year.
0: Yeah. Shemek was awesome. Shemick was cooking burgers. We know uh, that. Shemek Schem- was the man. Okay. Oh, my but goodness. But yeah. do you know that Goss was the guy? I mean, he yeah. was, in that championship game, he was the man, right? He can bring it up. He can shoot it. He can distribute it. He can get in the lane. I mean, he was the
1: go-to guy. And I don't know if good old Josh Perkins can
0: do that, man. What do you
1: think? So let's see. Let's go with the first one. Is getting to a Final Four good enough because they're in that conversation? I think the fact that they're in that conversation year after year after year. I mean, victory and Agatha. I mean, the fact that they're included in the same conversation of Kansas. Just, like, listen to the order of the teams we talked about in this particular podcast. We talked Kansas. We talked Kentucky. We talked Duke. We, we talked, you know, our, our darlings in Nevada. but And boom, here comes Gonzaga. So let's go to the second point. Do they have enough guard play? You know what? This year they do. Here's why. We've talked about with what the problem was with Kansas, right? We talked about how they're going to miss their senior guards and how that's going to be a limiter for that particular team guess what the bulldogs do they bring back not not a senior a fifth year senior in perkins somebody that's been to a championship game and if you remember correctly scored double digits in the first half of the championship game against north carolina so it's not like he doesn't know how to get it done on the big stage he does is he a little flighty sometimes? Is his question-making uh, sometimes questionable? Sure. Uh, does he try to do a, too much in too small of a space sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. But he is a 50-year senior. And if you have a 50-year senior point guard with championship game experience, do you know how many teams have that in college basketball? You can probably count them on one hand. And Gonzaga has one of the guys. And throw, let's throw it to the mix. Oh, okay. We're going to throw in a, a, a late grad transfer, Gino Crandall, from North Dakota – And if we take, you know, I talked about him on on, uh, one of the podcasts, one of our private podcasts for Patreon listeners. Um, If you're going to talk about uh, an impact transfer, then you're going to talk about Geno Crandall because he's basically single-handedly responsible for North Dakota's singular NCAA tournament berth with his performance two years ago in the championship game in the Big Sky when his team was down
0: six. Such an X factor. Could be such an X factor for them, Absolutely.
1: So if you're looking for somebody to make a late game play, Crandall is not afraid to make that play. And guess what? He's made that play before. You may think like, oh, what is, Like, not. A, it's not a big deal. It's just a big sky. It's not a big stage. How about if your team has never been to the NCAA tournament and you're in a hole and he goes ahead and makes all the plays for that? So I, I, I'm a big fan of Crandall. I think he and Perkins in the backcourt are going to be killer. Uh, how about Zach Norvell Jr.? You know what he's going to do? He's going to absolutely explode this year. He showed flashes last year. He showed that he can take over games in halves. He showed that he can be the best player on the floor for this team. Yes, the best player on the floor, including Rui, including Tilly. So he can do things on the wing that they really haven't had before. And then you throw in Rui and Tilly, and they're two of the best bigs that college basketball is going to put their eyes on. You could probably find either one of those guys or both of those guys on an all-American team come season and That wouldn't be outlandish at all. Put that all together, like you said, with a Hall of Fame coach, I think we're having the same conversation we had two years ago, where they're a legit threat to win the whole darn thing. And yeah, it doesn't hurt to have, as you said, a Hall of Fame coach, end of sentence.
0: Moving on to Virginia. The Virginia Cavaliers had the historic loss to Maryland-Baltimore County, but without DeAndre Hunter. Now. We should not forget that Tony Bennett's team was viewed as one of the best, if not the best team heading into the start of the tournament. Seven of their top 10 players are back. And I believe that good things happen to good people. And Tony Bennett is too great a coach. And he's won way too many ACC's with less than great talent to go out like this. I do not think it ruins his resume at all. I think it's a bad upset, and I think he can erase it if they make a final four or they win a national title. They have Kyle Guy back. They have Ty Jerome back. They have DeAndre Hunter back. They have Mamade Diake back. Jack Salt is back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're excited about that last one. He's only a junior, by the way. Uh, so. <laughs> Which is crazy. is crazy. It's like he's been there forever. The key question. Can Tony Bennett's style make a Final Four at some point in this era of high-scoring college basketball?
1: Yes. The simple answer is yes. It's going to happen this
0: year. I'm with you, man. The Tony Bennett Redemption Tour. I'm telling you right now. Absolutely. Look,
1: you lead lead the charge on this, and I'm going to hop in on the boxcar right behind you, and I'm going to ride shotgun on this thing because you were on board with this and saying that he is going to redeem – The upset that was the king and queen and prince and princess of all upsets last year and absolutely defined Cinderella. Okay, it was royalty to the tilt. He is going to absolutely flip the script this year and do the complete opposite where everybody's going to pick against him in the tournament. Everybody's going to pick against him in that round of 32 Uh, or round of 16. You can't
0: bet on Virginia. Come on. You're going to pick Virginia. They're going to lose again in the first round. Chuckle, chuckle, snicker, snicker.
1: That's exactly what's going to happen. You know (laughs) what he's going to do? He's going to snicker all the way to Minnesota. Here's why it's going to happen. Number one, he realizes what he needs to tweak. Is he going to give up the token and and, and the trademark that is Virginia basketball, which is valuing possessions and really gearing, gearing up on D? No, he's not going to tweak that at all. Is he going to get a little bit more creative on offense with his three returning players that are, you know, all ACC players, uh, uh, you know, slash all American type players with Jerome, Hunter, and Guy? Yeah, he might give them a little bit more freedom of what to do on offense and give them a green light a little earlier in the shot clock because he values their decision making. So I am totally with you on this. I think this is the spot where he gets it right and everybody's going to be picking against him. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to look at everybody when he gets to Minnesota and be like, Oh, hi, we're here. Guess we should have done this last year, but we're here now. So I'm with, I'm with, I'm with you on Virginia, man. You're
0: so great at making these comparisons and making these, you know, projections on who somebody plays like. And the reason that is, is because we've watched so much college basketball, right? We watch basketball in and out. We digest it. We love the tournament. What happens when you're old, when we're like 70 years old and our kids are calling us idiots that we don't know anything, is history repeats itself. I have seen so many upsets, so many situations like this Tony Bennett thing, maybe not to this level, where teams were dismissed and then they're vindicated. Tony Bennett is a superior coach. He's a Hall of Fame level coach with what he's done in Virginia and the ACC. He ain't going out like this. It's not happening. And when you bring back Jerome and Guy, I'm going to tell you, partner, the easiest bet to make next year. You wait to see who Virginia is playing in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and you bet $100 on the under for that game. You are going to have an easier time walking through a field of landmines, blindfolded, then you are <laughs> scoring against Virginia in the first round next year. They're going to be so angry. Please remember this, listeners. Bet the under in whoever Virginia is playing. That score will be 40-10. to 10. One. They will be so angry. It'll be unbelievable. That's all I'm telling you right hey, now. Bet the
1: mortgage. If we go back four years, what are people saying about Jay Wright? Exactly. What are that's people saying about great, Villanova? That's
0: such a great point. Yes.
1: And now, two, three, four years right. later, two titles later, what are we saying about Villanova? Oh, it's the Villanova way. Oh, he develops his Walking players. around oh, like Hank Iba. <laughs> All
0: right, well, come on. Such a great point, man. It,
1: it is a very, very similar script. Are we predicting that UVA is going to have two titles in the next three years? No. Are we going to predict that they're going to flip their recent March shortcomings? Yes, we are.
0: So a great, co- a great coach is bringing back his entire backcourt and seven of his top ten scores. Okay, that's fine. And Jack yeah, okay. I, I, I think that works. <laughs> it's fine. A couple more left. Tennessee. Yeah. Now listen, Tennessee returns their top six scores. Including, I was going to say, talk about returning. <laughs> right, top six scores, including the quietest SEC player of the year we've ever heard of in Grant Williams, right? Uh, no question. No one oh, talks yeah, about yeah, him. Yeah, no we,
1: acclaim. If, if we asked – like five, uh, ten college basketball fans, who is the SEC player of the year? Do you think five of them would get it wrong?
0: I think if you ask if you ask ten random fans what team Grant Williams is on, I bet le- uh, no more than fifty percent of them get it right. But Grant Williams, <laughs> tremendous right, player. Okay. And by the way, bringing back and I asked my wife if we could change my son's name, but she said no. Admiral Schofield is coming <laughs> back. Okay, <laughs> he's got two great leaders. They have Kentucky. Auburn's a pain. We get that. But the question, Gus, is Rick Barnes. So Tennessee, not getting any pub. I think Gary Parish had him three a month and a half ago. But sure. they're not getting the respect. SEC champs, regular season, six top six scores are back. And the SEC player of the year. Why aren't people buying Tennessee?
1: I think people are. I think people are putting them in the proper place preseason. However, I think if you were going to then ask those same people – Whoever those people are, whether it be Gary Parish or whoever the rankings are coming from, hey, who's in your final four? How many of those people do you think would have Tennessee in their final four? Right. So I I think there's a little bit of discrepancy there as far as how people are grading, rating, and projecting Tennessee. I think people are putting them in the proper place in preseason polls. But then I also think they're on to what you mentioned here, which is like the the, the Rick Barnes hesitancy of – putting them far in the tournament due to his past results in the tournament, very, you know, very not dissimilar from uh, Tony Bennett. So let's just break down Tennessee for a little bit. You, you mentioned what they bring back. They, they, they got Lamont Turner, who was the sixth man of the year. Barnes was the coach of the year last year. You said Admiral Schofield, and they got Bone, who's in the backcourt as well. So it's not like they bring back suckers. These guys are like legit all SEC yes, players. Yes sir. Yes sir. What are they going to do with the term that's going to follow them around the entire season of defending SEC champs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like last season where they were picked 10, 11, right. 12.
0: Suck up on people. Yes, correct.
1: What are they going to do now that they're defending champs? My guess is, like, early on, they might take a couple lumps because people have them in their in their uh, bullseye, in their target. And I think that people are going to take them seriously. Now, once they get into SEC play, they're hardened up, they have a couple of losses. Then I think in SEC play, it's real. Then I think it's, like, legit, right? I think then then we'll see the real Tennessee. So I think if we're going to answer the question of, like, how good is Tennessee? Are we underselling them? Do you buy in? Why don't we answer that question once SEC play starts and they have that road game against Kentucky? They yep. have to go play Florida. Why don't we wait till then and then I think we'll get a real answer? Is that fair?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, we you, you got this Florida's in there too, Alabama. I think I think uh, South Carolina's going to be better. Hopefully, so my wife's not angry the whole year. Sure, sure. But they they thirteen and five in conference. Gus, they tied Auburn regular season title. Okay, remember they had that game against Villanova early on, where they actually played mm-hmm. them pretty tough, which was kind of like, hey, hold on a second, they may be pretty good. Then they beat NC State. They lost to one to North Carolina. They they had a streak there where they lost to North Carolina, then they lost a couple games later to Arkansas, and then they lost to Auburn. That's why people cooled on Tennessee. But from that point, they beat Kentucky. They beat Vanderbilt mm-hmm. on the road, which is never yep. easy. They beat South Carolina on the road. They crushed Iowa State in the uh, Big Twelve SEC Challenge. They beat Kentucky again, so they beat him at home yep. and they beat him on the road. And then they lost to him in the championship game. so they 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 had a nice run and they had Loyola Chicago, but they could not pull right. it out. Tennessee, they I, lost the,
1: they the darling. Yeah. They're
0: going to be solid. They're a high floor team next year. They're not getting a lot of respect, but the issue is Rick Barnes, and very quickly, what Rick Barnes has done is in is in career. He coached Mason for one year, did a nice job. Then he goes and gets the Providence yep. job. Uh, makes a tournament, makes a tournament, NIT, yep. doesn't make the tournament, NIT. Makes a tournament for a third time, he bolts. He goes to Clemson. Goes to Clemson, NIT first year, then he makes the round of 64, and here it is. 1996-97, they go 23-10 and 10 Clemson, they make the Sweet 16. That was the year. The next year they go back to the tournament and lose, then he bolts to Texas. And being at Texas... Early on, they had some great success. Had the final four in 2002, 2003. They had a couple elite yep. eights, 2005, six, and seven, eight. Okay. Then it was a lot of round of 32, round of 64, round of 32, round of 64. CBI, that was a tough year. Uh, 2012, right. 2013. Then round of 32, round of 64. And that was enough. I mean, they, they basically went there roughly eight years without making it past the round of 32. It's not going to happen in Texas when you have all those resources. And he went to Tennessee, right? Nothing big here. Bruce Pearl left the whole thing. So he goes from 12th to 9th to 1st. But the question is, is Rick Barnes a guy who takes bad teams to good, but not good teams to great? We'll find out.
1: How about this? He's the Buck Shawalter of college basketball. Uh, I love
0: Buck Shawalter. I know, I
1: think he gets such a raw deal. D- 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 don't don't don't
0: don't me all. I love Buck. He gets such a raw but deal. But
1: how good how good is Buck Shawalter I know at getting crazy at getting teams to be con- crazy competitive and right on the prefaces.
0: 95, you are up 2-0 against Seattle in the playoffs. And I'm yelling at right screen, there. don't give up game three. Go for the right – he there. saved Blackjack McDowell who's giving up bombs left and right, but he got a Cy Young over oh, Dave God. Stewart. Okay, we're moving on. Uh, two more yeah. left for you, buddy, then that's it. North Carolina, okay. North Carolina, listen – Roy Williams got three titles in North Carolina. Nobody talks about that. Who has more titles, Dean, uh, Dean Smith or Roy Williams? in North Carolina. The answer is Roy. Williams. It's a little crazy. It's right? a little crazy. He's got three. That, okay, that's a crazy answer. Um, if I'm you sure. like, just let it sink in. Right. I'm not getting into the academic stuff because there's so much stuff we can go. I'm just sticking to basketball because we're talking basketball. <laughs> okay, good, and we're not good. talking about the you know July recruiting period. Okay, I'm not. We get, we're
1: talking who? We can, all right. Can we? Can we? Let's just spend 30 seconds on that. Ready. The, it fit, the the change in recruiting period fixes nothing. It changes dates on calendars, and it takes power away and accountability uh, power away from college coaches and accountability away from families and sneaker companies because those college coaches aren't there. Because then when the college coaches are there, they have to follow the rules. Okay, we can move on. I think it's silly. It doesn't fix anything. It just makes things more complicated and has people changing their calendars. That's all.
0: My my issue with this is Condoleezza Rice is a very smart person, and this committee that has been assembled to clean up college basketball, there's two ways you can make change, and Gus, you and I have gone through educational changes in our career here in New Jersey, okay? There's two ways you can do it. You can put out a pilot. You can gather information from 5 million people. You can take that information. You can go back. You can have meetings. You can have more meetings. You can have meetings about the meetings that concern the meetings and try to change things, and then you can roll it out. Or what you can do, which is often sometimes easier, is just throw stuff out there and leak it out and see the reaction. So I want people to know this is a great group of people. Cleaning up college basketball is hard because it's tough controlling anything, professional or college or whatever. But they're going to get it right. They're going to figure it out. Maybe this wasn't the greatest suggestion, but they'll figure right. it out. These are smart people. Yeah. It's not easy, but I guarantee you this came from some good idea. There was a good yeah. reason to talk about this and maybe it's not going to work, but these are smart people. It will get better. Just give them patience and let's not jump down their throat. OK, somebody leaked it. Maybe they leaked it on purpose, OK? OK. And it wasn't a good idea. It's fine. It's fine. They'll go back and they'll fix it. OK. But if it was so easy, guys, we wouldn't have had everyone running rampant with Book Richardson and all these other people getting money in hotels with wires. OK. Whatever. Moving back to Roy Williams.
1: Three titles okay, in OK. Order. Great job steering it back. Well done. OK. Yeah, excellent. The segue. Excellent. It's all
0: about the segue. The Roy Williams segue. There's the title of the podcast. So Roy Williams has, <laughs> th- <laughs> Roy Williams has three titles in his years. Gus, he's rarely had bad back-to-back years. I want to point that out. So this year, third in the ACC, round of 32. They won the title the year before. They were runner-up the year before. In in 12-13, 13-14, he did have back-to-back round of 32 years. But that came off a back-to-back elite eight years. Okay, So all Roy usually does a pretty decent job. The only bad year he had was 2009-2010. But oh, by the way, that came off a national title. Okay, So my question is – is the ACC caught up to Old Roy? Duke's got numbers one, two, three, five, six, seven, twelve, and fifteen on their class, right? Florida State certainly seems like a pain in the rear. NC State's going to be good. Louisville, Syracuse—I mean, who knows what's going to happen with them? But the question is, has the ACC—and of course, I didn't mention Virginia—have they caught up to Old Roy, or is Old Roy going to circle back here with Luke May and company and kick everybody's fanny?
1: Okay, again, I kind of like the way that you're phrasing these questions because it lets me and allows me to give succinct and then long-winded answers. Here's a succinct one. Oh, yeah, he's going to come back and kick some fanny this year. And is he going to circle the wagons? Oh, yeah, he is this year. He is not going to go out in the round of 32 this year, and he is not going to be an also-ran in the ACC under all the teams that you just mentioned. There is no doubt. He's got one more run in him, and guess what? That run starts this year. You mentioned the recruiting success that Duke has had uh, with their recruiting class this past year. We mentioned the overall success that uh, UVA has had in season, maybe just not in March. You mentioned some of the other strong teams, whether it be Syracuse, whether it be Louisville with, new, with Coach Mack in place, whether it be NC State with Coach Keats in place. You can go down a few other you know, we mentioned uh, Clemson with, uh, with, uh, with them making the tournament finally and finding some success. So UNC hasn't had a top-end player enter their program, and they've been one of those teams that's been allowed to, quote-unquote, stay old. That's like correct. Like one of the things yes. that Pitt, what Pitt was very good at in the Big East, uh, what Notre Dame always tries to do, and UNC has somehow like snuck into doing that even while remaining a blue-blood. And you know what they did this year? Meeks, they and Hicks.
0: did, yeah, Meeks and Hicks, Hicks and Meeks, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, uh, and this past year, you know who was supposed to be there, but who wasn't was Tony Bradley. He was yeah. supposed to have Tony uh, Bradley such
0: a next move. to such a bad movie. Yeah,
1: sitting next to Luke May to protect him and have some backup, and that didn't happen. And then he had to play Manley and, and Brooks, and yeah, uh, you know, Cam Johnson was a huge help. Don't get me wrong there, but you know Bradley was supposed to be there and be a huge impact, big like uh, UNC usually has it usually has. So Coach Roy did the same thing that Coach Cal did at Kentucky. He just used different ingredients. He changed the recipe. He went ahead and got Nazir Little, one of the highest ranked freshmen that Coach Roy Williams has ever had. The big one at UNC. The big one. It was a huge Now that the academic fog that you mentioned earlier in the lead-up to UNC is gone and has passed, and now they can just concentrate on basketball, guess what? People are going to want to come play at UNC, and Nazar Little is just the first one that's going to want to come play there. So if you're going to throw Little next to May, and you're going to have Manley and Brooks be the bigs, I think the only question is who's going to run the show. UNC's offense is predicated by having a point guard that can get out run things and get that break going and then have a secondary break and then you know run things through that secondary offense. Who's going to be that guard that he trusts? They have every other position in place. Cam Johnson can stretch the floor as a shooter. Luke May has the uh, has the potential to be like an All-America type player, at least an All-ACC, maybe even a player of the year type caliber type player. Who's going to be that point guard? I think that's my one question mark with UNC, but I'll tell you what. Little is going to do some pretty cool things for UNC, and they're going to have a flashback and be like, oh, yeah, I remember when we got players like this. I remember when we got Vince Carter. I remember when we had Rashid Wallace. I remember that. I remember when we had Stackhouse. Ah, oh, Little is kind of like one of those guys. He's an impact player that's going to wow you with a couple of plays and not just be slow, steady, and a winning player, much like Marcus Page and Joel Berry were the past couple of years, who were unbelievable NBA-ish players that will win games on the college level, but Nasir Little is a little different level than those guards and those players. So I think, yeah, Roy Williams has one more run. And guess what? That run's going to start this year.
0: And the last team we'll get to, and then we'll wrap it up, partner, Oregon. Mm. Oregon reloaded after their Final Four trip, but they got some players, Gus. They got six newcomers. The big headliner guy is Bull Bull. All right. Now, Oregon is the second ranked you, class. You, you like, you like Bulbul. I like you. him already. He's seven, 235 pounds. He's going to wear number one in Oregon, by the way. They got sophomore Kenny Wooten, who's back. He gave up number one for mm. Bulbul. Okay. You got Louis King, who's another five star player from the 2018 class. He's coming in. He's six-nine, two hundred five, 205 forward who can do it all. They got, they got freshman Miles Norris and Francis Okoro who who just signed with Oregon. Norris is 6'10". He's, two t- he's 210 pounds. Okoro, who's from Illinois, 6'9", 235. What is Dana Altman going to do? He's got Texas A&M grad transfer, Ehab Amin, 6'4", 200 pounds. They got a ton of guys. Troy Brown left and got drafted in the first round. Good for him. But he certainly seems like he has a very stacked team but, Gus, he's got a very big team. Bull, Bull, 7-2. Miles Norris, six ten. 10 Okoro, 6-9. Lewis King, 6-9. Paul White, 6-9. Kenny Wooten, 6-9. What are you going to do at Oregon? Number one,
1: you're box, not going to out-rebound out. them. You're going to box out. You're, doing yeah, you're not going to out-rebound them. Even Washington with their zone isn't going to out-rebound them. Number two, you know what they're going to do? They're going to put the ball in Peyton Pritchard's hands. And they're going to say, thank goodness. We have Peyton Pritchard to run the show with all these bigs that have such a diverse skill set. Peyton Pritchard, I think, and we meant we, we, this is going to be like the third or fourth reference that we've had with Frank Mainson and, and Devontae Graham, and, and we'll throw Joel Berry into that mix too and Marcus Page. I think Peyton Pritchard could have a year that's on par with those guards. I think he could be that impactful. Maybe he's not going to score 20 points a game. I can see, like, 15, 16 points a game, but just that really efficient score, knows what he's doing on the floor, where Coach Altman can look at him and say, he's going to say, run our stuff. And then Peyton's going to go run their stuff, and Oregon's going to get a good score somewhere. You know what the one underrated thing, you said, like, things are cyclical, right? Like, when we were talking about our UVA conversation? Yep. You know what, might you know what might not you know what might be something that's a little bit underrated and still has value in the college game. And we talked about this a couple years back when when UNC and and Gonzaga met in the championship game where both of them uh, played with two bigs regularly and got easy scores and got paint touches to predicate their offense. I think Oregon's going to do a little bit of that. I think Oregon's going to follow a little bit of that blueprint get some good paint touches, get some easy scores, and then put you on the defensive of trying to get scores to match, but get those scores against longer, taller, bouncier athletes. That sounds kind of like something that might work in the college game. Still, maybe not the NBA game, but I think the college game, I still think those paint touches and those easy scores have value, especially if you have a guard of Pritchard's ilk to go ahead and run things for you. Kinda of like Oregon's recipe, and if you throw Amin in, Amin led the nation in steals his previous year at, at Texas A&M, where he averaged over three steals a game. If you throw him in the backcourt as a difference maker on defensive end, too, man, how I don't know how you're gonna score on these people with the length and then the quickness in the backcourt. I think it's gonna be a real issue. So I kind of like what the Ducks have mixed up here. And I think Coach Altman is happy to have all those bigs and all that length on the defensive end and on on the defensive boards.
0: Yeah, it's well said. I think Oregon is going to be a very interesting team. They're going to be different. I think it's going to be a tough matchup for teams, and I want to see how they play these small teams that run up and down the floor. Partner, I think that's a load of
1: information here for our first podcast back. I think so. I think people. I hope people are happy that we're talking college hoops. We just want to say, listeners, thank you out there. Thank you for letting us provide your college basketball fix during the offseason. We're honored that you allow us to keep you company during your week or your weekend. So thank you for allowing the Screen the Screener College Basketball podcast to do that. Hey, you like what you're listening to? Please, thank the podcast this way. Go to Apple uh, Podcasts. Go to your uh, uh, podcast rating uh, machine uh, that you listen to, however you consume podcasts. Give us five stars. Give us a nice rating. Say some nice things about Mike because he's unbelievable. Um, say some nice things about the podcast because you really like the information that you get here. We'd love to get an, a couple of off-season uh, kind reviews. That'd be really cool. Uh, you'd like we listen to Give the podcast a follow, of course, at SDS. On Twitter, uh, at the S podcast on Twitter. We'd love to interact with you that way. Please give Mike a follow at Randall Rant. He is educational, insightful, and of course, highly entertaining. Uh, Mike, is there anything else we want to share with the listeners out there? It's
0: just great to be back and talking some college hoops. And people say, Isn't it? It's
1: nice, right? partner people say it's a
0: dead time it's not a dead time unless you allow it to oh. so. so we're coming at you folks we, we got our patrons who are getting an extra podcast on saturday morning every saturday morning and we'll be giving you at least one podcast every single week so sounds good partner great to be back
1: yeah very good to be back uh, uh listeners will hit you up next week Mike um, and I'll be back. We'll talk a couple of other college basketball items. We'll give you some players. We'll give you some other teams that we're paying attention to. Cheers. Salancha, uh, Grazie, Lazio. Arigato. Happy to share college basketball lead-up season with you. Thank you, guys.